episode 12 of What's Your Jam? Conversations about what makes us happy, what drives us over a cup of tea and a jam scone. Um, my guest this morning is a guest that I did not expect to be publishing so soon. It's James Nokese. We had a chat very early today uh, about his his work, his, his body of work, and just got a whole lot political. James and I go quite a way back and we did a show last year together that was uh, about offensiveness so we talk about that sort of thing a lot and our conversation just went off in various directions which was really good uh the reason his interview is earlier than i expected is that i yet did um i recorded three episodes yesterday which was great i spoke with marianne elliott whose episode is already up i spoke with rebecca stewart from pomegranate and i spoke with Gareth Bradley, who is a photographer of comedians, and I managed to lose the interviews for Rebecca and Gareth. And I feel like a complete muppet, and I am unsurprised that something like this has happened during my time. Um, basically, I just messed up. I just messed up on naming files, which is <laughs> which is so stupid, uh, but very. You know, it happens. Shit happens, y'all. I am. Uh, I'm going to get in contact with both of them. I'm already starting the process to see if I can re-record, have another chat with them, which hopefully will still retain that same spark that that first chat had. Um, I'm just generally very disappointed in myself, but I know what I did wrong, and I'm going to fix it, and it'll be okay. Anyway, this is the twelfth episode. We're over the hump. We're past halfway. Stuff's happening. Uh, there's only there's less than two weeks of the fringe left. Uh, please enjoy this chat between me and James Nokese this morning. Cheers. Fringe, fringe, fringe. <laughs> making shows, making things. <laughs> making shows, making shows. Yeah. Well, this, this, is, this is probably the most chill show I've ever had to make. The <laughs> fringe, because I just hang out here and. People come over and I give them scones and jam. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Whereas I'm like panicking because I've committed to writing like 20 poems. Writing 20 poems? Mm. We, what for? Tonight? For my show, yeah. I open tonight. How many poems have you written? Um, 15? I've got five to go. And like they're, they're not mm. like, oh, I wonder what this poem's going to be. Like they're all, it's all fleshed out. I've mm-hmm. just got to finish the verse and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make sure it's like put my pretentious comb through it and just like try and get all the pretension out so it's oh. actually you want less pretension yeah yeah because otherwise i'm sort of making another rukahu and i'm actually trying not to in fact i'm gonna have to do a, a thing at the top of the show where i'm like okay i know this is gonna seem like a thrown together show by a senior pacific island artist <laughs> but but this is a development season of a thing i'm trying to do yeah. not me taking the piss yeah. Even though I've never done poetry before and I've decided that based on hardly any experience, I'm going <laughs> to present a long-form poem on mm-hmm. Captain Cook going through the Pacific. Oh, shit. Have you written the last poem? Yeah. The last, one, well, the one fr- where he gets eaten? Oh, no, that's oh, not that the last, the last? No, oh, that's not great. the last poem. No, no, that's, um, uh, that's a fun poem because um, <laughs> well, the, the king of Hawaii was called Kamehameha and for Dragon Ball Z fans. You're yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. I've actually built the poem like a Kamehameha way. You know how like in Dragon Ball Z they went Kamehameha and then I pause and go into verse and then come back Kamehameha. <laughs> so it's all building up to him getting cooked. No, the last poem's actually great. from his wife. Oh. His wife. They had uh, several children. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd come back and get her pregnant and then bug her off. Yeah. Man. And, um, <laughs> and he, yeah. 
but a lot of their kids because of the times died so yeah. they had um uh but were born but didn't, didn't make, make it, it past like four so she had to bury all these kids oh. by her own and then apparently he had quite a few marital affairs but we don't know much about captain cook because when he died overseas and she was way above his station he was like a working class kid from mm. newcastle mm-hmm. uh, worked his way up uh, and she was so furious with him that she burnt all his coat, like just set it on fire. She was angry at him for dying? Yeah, or just like, the, you know, it was kind of like, what is this? Oh, yeah. Now I've got no, and just burnt, just burnt it, just flames on the side of my face. She went full Queen Bee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and it's kind of amazing. And it's sort of, but it also sort of makes his personal life a bit of a mystery then. You've only got these very romanticized biographies mm-hmm. of Cook. You don't really get a, a proper sense of him. And he was quite a prolific uh, writer and documenter. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it was back to his, his wife. And, and she just like, well, here's your legacy. Boom. Fuck you. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, seeing how human he was. Like, he was literally just a driven, annoying dude. Uh, he was like pathological almost in his in his need to be great and to explore yeah that's hilarious um but yeah definitely not like i wouldn't say noble is a is a word that immediately comes to mind but you know we got statues everywhere and then ours as well yeah yeah. because we're like thanks whitey yeah (laughs) well that's what the show's about is like you know it's and in his mind it wasn't and this often is the case of imperialism he was helping no he wasn't discovering new lands just for the glory of the empire he was bringing the enlightenment of the world's greatest society mm-hmm. to the enlightened he was he was shining the light. he yeah. was he was empowering them he was he was like jesus coming onto them over the water uh presenting the great <laughs> knowledge that would lead them to a better place yeah um and you know he got eaten <laughs> So maybe your jam is anti-colonialism. My jam is always anti-colonialism. <laughs> yeah. since, since the dawn of my first breath. Yeah. Uh, just going to slip this in now. Thanks for coming and talking on the show. Mm, that's yeah. fine. Um, uh, have, I was going to say, have you always been an anti-colonialist? But that feels like a very reductive way of, <laughs> of, of, of starting it off. But I guess it's like, has it always been a focus in your work? I mean, I've been very acutely aware that I am in a colony of of Britain mm-hmm. from a very early age because my mum is Welsh. Yes. You are New Zealand's only Samoan Welsh Samuel comedian. Welsh comedian yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. There's another one. What? Who's Re- the other one? Um, Rian Woodhill. No way. Rian Woodhill. Um, yeah, he's, he's Welsh Samoan. <laughs> there is another. There is another. Yeah, he's totally my layer. That's fantastic. Um, sorry, Rian. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, no, because she was white. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, she's Pakeha. And then they'd like treat her like a Pakeha New Zealander, but she had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And my old man's an immigrant, you know, that's why I always say I'm the child of two immigrants. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was always deeply aware about colonialism and um, the Queen being overseas. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think also because my, my dad was, was subjected to British racism. Right. Um, and. Because we went to Britain when I was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, unbeknownst to my young self, subjected to it. Uh, which resulted in my dad breaking Samoan tradition and cutting off my hair. 
because oh, uh, um, there's you know, monkey and uh, thought I was a girl and all these things. I think, actually, I think kids just grow their hair. Was that? Did children just grow their hair for a long time? Uh, Until they're seven, and then uh, the hair's cut off, um, and a ceremony and locks are given to members of the family. So you had your hair cut at two. Yeah, but I've always been the rebellious one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're cool with it. You're cool yeah, with the rebellion. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's um, yeah. actually a good reminder. I need to go get my hair cut later today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and and then I think the more I've under, I've learned about Pacific history. Um, and again, my father's work was in uh, the spread of Christianity through the Pacific by Samoan missionaries and how they interpreted um, uh, Western Christianity into a Pacific context. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of the circles I moved in that were very patronizing to Pacific Islanders. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, I was living in a colony of the UK. On the other hand, I was living in a colony which itself has colonies in the Pacific, mm. uh, you know, territories like Tokelau, um, uh, New Way to a certain extent, Samoa for a while. Samoa um, was a colony up until 62, and New Zealand was the harshest um, overlord of Samoa, like the treatment of New Zealanders to Samoans. So I was very acutely aware of the colonial mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they'd say dumb shit to me like, you know, you do voodoo or your people are like, like they couldn't tell the difference between like because racists are dumb like, yeah. these are very rarely you, you find yeah. yeah I mean sure they can still become presidents of the United States of America like, yeah. but you know they, they, they couldn't tell the difference between uh, Samoans, Tongans and Africans which is yeah like there's, there is literally the world between us yeah like literally there's a lot of space a lot of ocean yeah continents like and you know <laughs> I think colonialism spreads that this is the um, danger of feeding people scones I'm sorry <laughs> right. see this is what colonialism does it shuts up the Pacific mm. yeah. oh my god I'm literally sh- oh my god <laughs> you have oppressed my people we're so good at metaphors <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, and that's the thing I always find I think I was quite lucky though that i um, I, I had it highlighted to me from an early age mm-hmm. how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And so I've always tried to spread that ridiculousness rather than, I mean, occasionally I rage, but uh, my old man taught me a long time ago, um, anger takes so much energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just suck. Like, it is a fire and it does suck up just everything else, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes means it's actually not productive at all. Yeah. And just end up just burning yourself out. Sometimes it, I guess it could be good to just sort of like burn out a few demons and then be like, okay. Yeah, like if you've, got, if you've got a lot of stuff weighing you down, I think it can be good to burn it away and, and it can act as a fuel in mm-hmm. that regard. But you've got to be real careful with it. Like it's mm-hmm. not, um, you can just find yourself in a cycle. I know a lot of social commentators, um, especially uh, my friends in New Zealand and Australia, and they just, it just it, it just burns them up and you see, you know, sort of, mid 30s to mid 40s they uh, begin to just burn out a little bit uh-huh. um, and and fair enough it's not easy no. i think seeing the ridiculousness of the world and then making people laugh and then everyone goes to the polls and does the exact opposite and, and you're you just like, go off of crying out loud yeah you know, it's like oh man i thought we were on, i thought we had a thing we had a thing yeah no oh, oh. yeah yeah it's rough <laughs> 
Because as your 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 comedy has has your, your stand up comedy hasn't always had that angle. Did you start out that way? Mm, I tried to. You tried to, right? Um, but mostly it's, it, it's hard, right? It takes experience to properly deliver comedy in that way. Yeah, and I think you got to be. I wasn't comfortable calling foul on myself. Um, I wasn't comfortable with myself, and I think that's really important, right? Yeah. You know, you can uh, if you're not able to to bring it back onto you, <laughs> not in a narcissistic way, but um, to bring that. You know, Bill Burr. One of the things I find interesting about him is that he fails. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I enjoy that as a craftsman. I enjoy that that he is making shows. I mean, do I think he should be making a new one hour that fails, like in in many parts and putting that out maybe not but artistically i think it's a choice and i think it's something he's made Mm -hmm. Uh, but he does when he goes out there and he says something about people Mm -hmm. from different backgrounds um or uh like an example when he goes uh town on um powerful women Mm -hmm. he'll often loop it back onto himself right which is the correct way to do but then you find an imbalance because in rhetoric if you build up an emotional state Mm -hmm. and you want the crowd to be appeased or to to come with you further Mm -hmm. you've got to you've got to find a way to release all of that and sometimes he doesn't do that sometimes uh, he builds up he doesn't, he doesn't le- release the valve yeah 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 or like, or he doesn't he doesn't turn it enough yeah. and he, then he tries to move on and the audience can't move on because they've built up <laughs> this emotional state and he's and that's when he's standing there going well, i like i knew this would happen i know it why aren't you guys come on and uh it's like, i've oh, never just, seen this guy bill Burr? yeah he's real, i think you'd find him fascinating Probably like, would. because he he is I, I think of him as an uh, old school Boston Irish guy right. trying to come good. Right. And not necessarily doing it. And right. I find that. But he's trying. Well, <laughs> or is he? Or, oh. Like, I like, that's the great thing. I think he is. I give him the benefit of the doubt as a comedian. And also, I, there's enough of his clever gear that mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. that I go, no, nah, I think you're trying and failing sometimes, but, but mm. trying. And his best stuff, I think, is actually. I read it as a deconstruction of that particular Boston Irish male psyche. Mm-hmm. You know, that proper old school, yeah. slightly racist, yeah. massively misogynistic. <laughs> you know, you know, and with, Yay. with deep respect to um, my mates from Boston, you know, but they, they'll be the first ones to tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. That's you know? terrible. And I, and I can relate to that from deconstructing Pacific stereotypes mm-hmm. uh, and New Zealand male stereotypes. It's a big thing I'm trying to do with my new stand-up show later in the year is, is sort of find a way with sport to deconstruct the tough guy um, mm-hmm. that we're, we seem to still still be. We'd still vote in a tough bloke yeah. if we could. It's Richie McCaw. Why do you think Andrew Little took off his glasses? Oh. You didn't notice that? He took yeah, off his does he think because... no one noticed that suddenly he's wearing contacts? Yeah, because now he's he's what less of a nerd. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like a big burly dude already. Like he didn't need that that much, but I guess for some it's people, it's got to be you know glasses, glasses, mate. Weakness, weakness, <sighs> weak eyes, Ugh. weak eyes. If he if he can, <laughs> do you know what it means? If he wears glasses, he can read. No, we don't. <laughs> Heaven forbid, uh-huh. someone working with policy reads. Oh. 
Okay, I have a question about. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about the, the comedy as a deconstruction of a of a of the the Boston Irish male psyche, mm. um, which feels like a very it's, it's definitely a reading coming from one comedian to another comedian. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Are there dangers in having sort of that much? Not dangers. Uh, how frequently do audiences get that? Mm, no, I think danger is a good word. Okay. Because what you're meaning is, am I correct? The danger of the audience not understanding and the room becoming silent. Not like the room, or, or, or the or room it, turning. Or just even being like an audience laughing but not actually getting oh, yes. that right. kind of thing. You know, when like an audience, it's like when people are ironically <laughs> sexist and yeah, I'm putting yeah. bunny ears around ironically. Because yeah, no, pro and tip, the, the ironically racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I a white it. man on stage saying racist things. Aren't I hilarious? And you're like, no, it just looks exactly the same as regular racism. Yeah. Um, um, I can, yeah, I can joke about this. My wife is black. And you're like, mm. um, yeah, it's. Yeah, I think it's definitely a danger. And it's a calculated risk. Yeah. Um, uh, now, I don't know how much that happens with his stuff. Uh, mm. But I can say with my stuff, when I'm talking about, I'm very conscious of the way I'm perceived as a Polynesian. Mm-hmm. When I start talking about New Zealand's um, racism, mm-hmm. um, and from both sides, from non-Polynesians and from Polynesians. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've made a, a whole like chapter of jokes about being a, a non-pacific looking pacific islander mm-hmm. um thankfully uh, pacific style has caught up to me so now there's a whole bunch of brothers out there that look like me <laughs> which makes my job a lot easier i bet it does but yeah there's a complete danger that people just go no and i've learned that the hard way mm-hmm. um i've gone out and done sets especially when i was younger mm-hmm. where i thought i was being clever but that's because i was dumb <laughs> i didn't realize that i wasn't clever enough to be clever <laughs> that's oh, why you, that's why you, you learn <laughs> and then you have the responses well like they didn't laugh oh they just didn't get it instead of i did not communicate that and well that's what i mean about learning to check yourself yeah you know you yeah. got to be able to call foul on self i think it's very lazy to instantly go Oh, that was the audience. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you are the wrong comic with the wrong tone and the audience it is, you know. As it's a bad mix. Just as it can all come together beautifully. Sometimes mm-hmm. it all comes together and it's, you know, oil and milk. Mm. And so... Oil and milk? Yeah. Do they mix well? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you think you're being clever and yeah. then you realize you're not clever. <sighs> yes, those moments. So it's, yeah, I, I think it, um, that it is a danger, but you have to, that's the choice you make when you do social commentary. Mm. What about the other danger where people laugh at it because they think you are agreeing with them instead of not agreeing with them? Well, I think, again, that's that's part of what happens when you choose to put things into a public forum. Yeah. So if you're doing, you can only, even as, as a stand-up, you can only really control the live room. Yeah. Um, so if people are filming the live room and going on, and you see this actually with someone like Jim Jeffries mm-hmm. uh, on the YouTube, uh, the and I YouTubes. never, I never recommend reading YouTube comments ever, no, even if you are looking for positive. Like there are there are other ways to get positive um, reinforcement than the <laughs> danger don't. of YouTube. Clips. Yeah, but um, if, if you're putting something out into the public, you know you have to trust that the audience you make the audience laugh at the right 
mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I think that's part of being a professional is mm-hmm. your ability to control the room. If you get and if you get people, like I, I, I hear what you're saying, mm. um, but I guess what I'm trying to convey is if you are skilled enough, mm-hmm. then you should be able to when that happens mm. because there's no absolute control. Yeah, it's a minority laugh that you can then call out on. And I'm sure you've seen it in clubs, you know, when someone laughs at the wrong part. And, and someone goes, oh, this yeah, is and, the and, joke, and buddy. And the, yeah, and the comic will turn around and go, I think you have laughed a bit too soon there. We are not at the punchline yet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I listened to a, the reason it's on my mind is I was listening to a, a, a podcast, I cannot remember what it was, but the title of the episode was The Satire Paradox. And it was all about... Um, Oh, I know who it was. Josh Samuels directed me to it. Anyway, um, uh, it's all about Stephen Colbert mm. and his character from the Colbert Report because that character is pretending to be a right-wing media pundit uh, and sending it up. And liberals watch it and think, this guy's hilarious. He's just ripping apart um, uh, conservatives. And conservatives watch it and think that he's making fun of liberals and that he's running circles around them. Like when he interviews people on his show, they're like, oh my gosh, look at him go. He's so amazing. But, and you go like, that's amazing because he's like, he's, you know, international TV star. He's still being misunderstood mm. from people who are, it, well, I I believe they're the target because maybe because I'm liberal and I'm pretty mm. sure Stephen Colbert is liberal. I'm mm. quite, other things in his world have, have suggested that. But well, I guess it's uh, like, if there are people, no, if there are people, those people mm-hmm. who are laughing at the wrong parts or championing him or not seeing the joke, mm-hmm. they see the laughter. Because, again, that's highlighting the ridiculousness of the point of view. Mm-hmm. So there will be people who don't get it. Mm-hmm. But there might also be people who don't get it. But then through seeing the constant laughter begin to get switched on to the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of the situation. Yeah. And I feel that there's a real tone shift in America right now where we're actually losing that mm-hmm. in the narrative and it's just becoming all-out war. Mm-hmm. And that's that's interesting to see because I, I generally believe we're living in a time of change of satire. Mm-hmm. I think people like Trump have brought a, a chaotic element to satire where we're having to find a way to reinvent how we skewer the powerful because if the powerful are going to be more ridiculous than satire can get in front of and that is a genuine problem right now mm-hmm. for satirists is how do you get in front of the powerful if the powerful in reality are more ridiculous than the ideas being thrown up Every joke that is made about Donald Trump as a possibility, the probability um, becomes so much more ludicrous. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to get in front. So then you see, like Colbert, I think what him and John Oliver and uh, Samantha B, who I think is was really ahead of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Samantha B went straight down that line, and actually everyone's following in her wake. Mm-hmm. But they are responsive. You know, their their satire is in response to mm-hmm. actions. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not anticipating. It's not. You can't anticipate what. Trump but this does is the thing: you have to be able to. Yeah. So 
we're saying we can't because we're in shock and we're growing and we don't quite know what the new style is going to be or how mm-hmm. it's going to work. But we've got to find a way. I think that's and mm-hmm. that's why I reckon we're living in a time of change of satire because we can come in from the side. And that's sort of what I'm doing right now is mm-hmm. with my jokes is I'm trying to come in sideways. But it's still not in front, and satire should be in front. Mm-hmm. Satire has to be relevant first. More than anything else, it's yeah. got to be relevant. And so the only way for it to be relevant right now is to be responsive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a classic satire is meant to anticipate. Yeah. So that's the great challenge. And that's exciting. It's mm-hmm. terrifying, and it's sometimes incredibly depressing. Yeah. But if you're looking for joy and excitement as a satirist um, out of the depressing warmongering chaos out there right now you can go well we've got to raise our game that's the challenge yeah i i I am really enjoying melissa um mccarthy mccarthy is um is sean spicer like that is i think a beauty i think that's a great way of coming in sideways actually and like instead of like it's responding but like going cast cast a woman Mm. yeah great Casting a woman, and then also like just throwing in the little the little side bits of like um, Kate McKinnon playing um, uh, Jeff Ken- Sessions. Yeah, Jeff Sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like extra ones, and I think I think Rosie O'Donnell has offered to play um, Bannon. Bannon. Yeah, and, and even put go, a photo. Oh, up. please do it! Yeah. Oh my god. But but even then, like I still wonder, like, is this just making us? Is it just making liberals go like? Oh, good, good. We can laugh. We can laugh at some part of this because there's so much of it we can't laugh at because it's mm. fucking terrifying. But it's also, it does seem to be affecting mm. Trump. And oh, it's affecting Trump, but is it affecting, I, I think it's the kind of whole thing of like, Trump is one person of, of a big picture of terrifying. Mm. So it's affecting Trump because Trump is a man child yeah. and everything bothers him except for the important shit. Mm. Um, but the supporters who have put him there mm. how is it affecting them how is it affecting that relationship between and why are they watching saturday night live yeah well they're probably watching it when it gets shared by people going can you believe how awful this is they probably aren't well, I, mean, I, don't know. I always wonder like why people why like that that dude um milo oh milo yeah i don't know how to say his last name but you know so... the, the, the world's most offensive and yeah. i feel stupid even talking about him but yeah. He's a fascinating dude because he's got this rap and he's said these horrible things and he wants that. I've never watched anything he's done. No, I, like, I just know who he is. Yeah, I mean, I've read, I've read news stories because you want to be aware of, but mainly I've read news stories to watch out for his batshit crazy followers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and like learn about that particular part of internet culture because I feel you know you've got to be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're a dangerous, psychologically dangerous bunch of mm-hmm. people. But why why give airtime? Why mm. um, report sound bites of him? Mm. I'm not saying don't report actions. Mm. But, but stop giving him. It's that whole thing of giving him and other people like him platforms to put their words out there. Well, I think be or, honest. Be honest. You're putting a soundbite in because you want clickbait. Because yeah. you want click. Because you need revenue. You need revenue because you are in a business. Yeah. You know. Like I, I'm all for great journalism and great investigation, but we also let's 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 not get so caught. And this because I come from a church background. Let's not get so caught up in reverence yeah. and the pursuit of something holy that we set 
unrealistic expectations because mm-hmm. then we just set ourselves up for massive disappointment and malaise mm-hmm. and then we all feel and then we get caught in this like messed up cycle yeah. of like almost like we're making the it's almost like we're trying to drive the whole societal culture to become bipolar in terms of pigs and troughs mm-hmm. you know it's like euphoria depression yeah. right? and you're like what about just like contentment yeah and it's like <laughs> no contentment's bad why because then you don't buy stuff and it's like oh. That's, and I know that sounds incredibly cynical. Um, I don't know. I've been feeling pretty shitty lately, and I have been, I've been curing that ailment with uh, online shopping. Dude, like, <laughs> my iTunes library has increased a lot the last couple of months. <laughs> I have bought albums I never thought I would buy. Oh, God. It's so rough, and it's so, like, I, I, I sit there, and I'm like, I'm aware I'm doing this. I'm hmm. going, I'm buying a new dress because uh, this is going to give me a quick a, th- a quick thrill on a day where there's a lot of sh- stupid shit happening. But would you say it's like almost psychologically a survival mode? Like, like, do you feel you're sort of in a position where things are happening and you're so, I wouldn't say triggered. I feel that's too heavy a response, but emotionally you're a little bit, it's like when you've, you've done a long festival and you haven't slept at the end. It's like you're mm-hmm. constantly living in that state. Yeah. And so something happens like, ah, oh, man and then like a youtube clip comes up of a song like maybe it's even like a song on a car ad and you're like man that song i gotta find it on itunes and then suddenly <laughs> you just spent three bucks on a song on a song that, that you, you heard, heard on an ad yeah. which just gave you a visceral release yes. from the trauma of the planet you know like, yeah. well yeah someone just called me and i realized it's connected to my computer and so Uh i started ringing in my ears but i'm pretty sure it didn't get recorded so that's fine um crap and interrupted my train of thought which was um i think yeah i I think like i yeah it's it is that sort of weird thing of like you know uh it's you've been less than a month less than a month or is it is it it's a month today i think it's It's the 21st yeah it's It's been a month since he became president yeah and I mean, that is the big thing that is sort of affecting the world in general. And in that month, like just, it's just been sort of this background noise of pain and confusion. And then just like, uh, I'm here in Wellington doing Fringe Festival and then like other crazy things are happening. Like my sister got really sick hmm. and my cat got really sick yeah. and like other things happening, but it was my cat getting sick that like completely threw me because molly just started vomiting sorry listeners Mm. molly just started vomiting a whole bunch and i was just like i can't deal with like everything is terrible and i'm really enjoying my cat cuddles and if you are sick or dying i don't know how i'm gonna deal with this this is not what i purchased you for yeah this is the worst uh she was an SPCA cat, so purchase is a strong word. Um, <laughs> it's a slave. That cat's a slave. You've got to emancipate your cat. Oh, she's a beautiful, beautiful creature. Um, yeah, but just like having that sort of like breaking point, you just go like, oh my God, I just need, just give me, give me a nice good scone. Give me something. Give me some joy. Come on. <laughs> a quick fix. And buying things is, is a quick, easy way of doing that. Yeah. Let's be anti-capitalist as well. <laughs> Hey, now look, capitalism has done a lot of good things for some people. Yeah, um, like four of them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because you're, you're right. Like, one of my pet peeves and one of the things I love is mm-hmm. New Zealanders losing their shit about like, things going on in the States and the UK. Mm-hmm. Like uh, New Zealand Brexit supporters are like, my favorite. There's a, 
Brexit supporters here. Yeah, I mean, there's Kiwis yeah. who voted Brexit over there, but yeah. there's Kiwis over here who are like, yeah, Brexit, woohoo. It's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, man, it's just, you know, you got to watch out for those refugees, and then they're going to get into the UK, and then they're going like, to they're gonna come here. And it's like, that's, that's not how refugees or immigration... Yeah, that's not how that chain goes. Or just world travel. That's not... <laughs> That we are, we are again. Literally, there is a planet, and we are in the other end. Like mm. you are facing, if you're going from Syria to the UK, and your final end is New Zealand, you have gone the wrong way. Yeah. Like you need to check your compass. Yeah. You need to flee for your life in a in a better direction. I think that that idea, that idea, that reality that there are people in New Zealand who have those those anti-immigration, anti, um, anti-international, anti I guess, uh, ideas, that's, I think, what scares me about Trump the most. Like, the idea that there are... That it, it's, the, it's that fear that, that that could happen here. Well, I don't know. I think it has happened here. But, I, I mean, mean like, like, to a, like, to a... To that... To that extreme. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's happening here now. I think it happened here back in the 70s when... Mm-hmm. Um, Labour put in the dawn rate pays for this, and then National took that to its zenith. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it already has happened here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, the, the key thing to understand is, that, and if you tour around, you, you meet these people. They're not bad people. They're not evil. They're not nefarious. They're not they're plotting. A lot of them, they're desperate. Like they're, it's about empowerment. This fear like this, this fear of the other, this wanting, it's because the idea is, like with us getting shopping to make ourselves feel better, mm-hmm. if you can get rid of that other, mm-hmm. then your life will be better. Yeah. And if your life is really bad, if all of these, you know, when all of these dreams and, and hope rhetoric and all of this um, grand plans of, of, of social change mm-hmm. that have been enacted has done nothing for your situation over a generation, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you might, worn down as you are by the world, lend an ear to someone saying, it was never your fault, it was never our fault. Mm. Um, it insert was brackets, fault. It was their fault. Insert brackets, it was always the politician's fault. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was never your fault, but it was always the politician's fault. Yeah. Um, and so... I think that's how that spreads is you get a lot of people who are just worn out. And that's where inequality comes into it because what inequality does apart from just, you know, the wealth gap is the psychological um, degradation. Mm. People see something and start to think, I can never have that. Mm. I will never be there. Those people are something. I am nothing. Mm. So I will always be nothing. Well, there is something stopping me from getting from here to being one of those people. Yeah. And the thing that's stopping them is not society or circumstance or, you know, mm. inequality in the system. It's it's a person that I can direct my anger at. Yeah. And sometimes they turn inwards. And I think, mm. I think um, and I might be speaking out of turn here, that's why you have such high youth suicide. Yeah. Um, it's because, you know, it's we, we build up a society of the winners and the losers mm-hmm. uh, and it's a shame that we are in that mentality because the losers make the best art <laughs> and i don't think we champion the losers yeah. enough 
because uh, we don't think that we think there's something bad about losing. Yeah. Well, they think that the losing is entirely to do with personal failing instead of yeah instead of circumstance. And we know that's not true because every time the All Blacks lose outside of a World Cup year, we go, oh, well, thank goodness they lost because now they'll learn and they'll be better for it. <laughs> But anyone else who loses were like, haha, you lost. It's like, oh. This is shitty, guys. Let's be, not, let's be less of dickheads. Yeah. I think I, I have this, I don't, I don't know how much of a, it's not a very unique theory, but like there's, there's so many people that I think stick with that cognitive, cognitive dissonance between, um, uh, you know, like being super conservative and not actually working in their own interests and stuff mm. because – to admit that they're wrong about one part, and this is very arrogant because I'm assuming that I'm right about everything, but I'm not. Um, but, you know, it's when you go, oh, maybe this thing that I cling to is not true. Suddenly everything else around them, you know, stops being true. And they, or they, 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 they go, oh, my God, everything I believe or everything I, I identify myself as doesn't have any, any standing. Yeah. That's weakness. That means that my family won't love me. That means my friends won't respect me. And so they cling to it because they don't want to be alone and they yeah. don't want to be ostracized. And there's a lot of sort of, I guess, venom that can come from people telling them they're wrong as well. You know, like you are wrong. You are, you are evil. You are bad. Instead of like, hey, I know that inside you there is a desire for the same things I want. Mm. You know that if you, if you need it, there are people that will support you. I think, again, it comes back to being comfortable calling Fallon self. And that's mm. us failing to teach that lesson mm. to young people. I think we don't, we don't teach, well, at least when I was growing up, we don't, we don't teach about self-introspection mm. and about being able to deconstruct your emotions. Mm -hmm. I think that's a handy lesson. Like, and it doesn't mean that you become a narcissist and it doesn't mean that you um, can't just get on with it mm -hmm. but it means when you have those quiet moments where you know the the hounds come out and the shadows have claws that you can actually address it mm -hmm. with a with a confidence of yeah. of knowing others have gone through it and knowing that it is a in today's society it is a normal state mm -hmm. it is a normal state to in your quiet moments be anxious mm -hmm. about the world yeah uh, and then you know that you can call for help, but we're still stuck in this. Uh, be tough, yeah. You know, yeah. don't be, don't be weak. Yeah. Don't don't let them see any weakness. Like, and, well, don't, and don't be weak about the wrong things. Yeah. Yeah. Which when our prime minister is the living embodiment of the weak Kiwi male, like he's a tiny, tiny accountant. <laughs> like he's the anti-rugby player and what's the first press thing he does he goes and shears a sheep like why you got to prove you're a man from the south so you <sighs> go and share it and now you're a real man yeah like put shoes on kids in northland then you're yeah. a real man <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's a strong it's a strong uh strong strong finish point as i know you've got to go and do stuff um uh what's your show called uh my show is called vavale imperium Vavale Imperium. Great. I'm going to link to it in the description and encourage people to go to it. That would be very good. When's it on till? Uh, it's on tonight at 8.30 till Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Great. And it translates loosely to bringing in the empire. And it's about, Captain, it's about Captain Cook. Captain Cook trying to bring enlightenment to the world's greatest navigators. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, nah, bro, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for chatting. We should do this again. Sweet. Thanks, man.
That was James Nokise talking about all sorts of things. We really followed our nose there. Um, I really enjoy talking to James. I want to do it again sometime. Maybe we'll do a podcast that's just Jen and James analyze the shit out of the world. I <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed that chat. Uh, I hope that you are having a good day. Uh, this is um, going really well. I feel like I'm learning a lot about my interviewing style and about my guests and about life in general. It's really nice to have that sort of uh, validation that doing this thing is this feels like it's working so that's really great if you're enjoying it please tell a friend or chuck some money at the patreon or just go and like the page there's a facebook page there's a twitter account you can follow and like both of those that'd be tops uh, if you have any feedback any thoughts uh, any corrections anything like that i'm very open to it all please send it my way uh, anyway that's all for me today please have a wonderful day ciao What's Your Jam is recorded in Wellington and is part of the New Zealand Fringe Festival 2017. Music by Robbie Ellis. Casual interference and support from Molly the Cat. Tea provided by Tea Leaf Tea on Manor Street. Jam expertly crafted by Bachmans. This show is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer O'Sullivan, and you can find useful links, more episodes, and suggest future guests by visiting whatsyourjam.nz. Thanks for listening.